Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Thursday, December the 1st. Yes, December the 1st. We have made it to December. I hope that everybody is doing well. It's 7 a.m. here in Spotswood, and it is a beautiful sunrise that I could see uh, in the southeast over here looking out my window. It's almost like an ocean. The line is so straight of the clouds over the Blue Ridge this way. But anyway. I hope it's a beautiful sunrise where you are too. I'm delighted to be with you this morning and I hope that your week has gone well thus far. One more reminder, our big holiday community meal is this Saturday. Um, if you have not signed up, you do need to pre-order for your meal. If you want to dine in, you can let us know so we'll have enough room prepared. If not, you can just pick it up through the drive-thru. But we are taking... Um, signups or, or we're doing signups until tomorrow okay so you do need to pre-order your meal just uh putting in the plug for that and thank you already for your support now i'm excited about where we are picking up today because a lot is revealed and where we are. A lot has been revealed in where we've been thus far. Yesterday, we made it through verse 8 of John chapter 15, um, and, and this metaphor of the vine and the branches carried out, talking about God's glory being shown and how this whole dynamic works, but also the warning is very clear. The warning, and along with that warning, the opportunity for self-examination, uh, evaluating the fruit that you are producing. Now, Jesus somewhat shifts at this point in verse 9 that we're coming to today, and he's going to talk about this command that he gives in light of being in him, in light of bearing fruit, and also he's going to relay what our relationship with him really looks like, what our relationship with the Lord is really all about. So without further ado, let me pray, and then we will dig in. Our God and our Father, please be with us now. Guide us in this time. Help us to understand your word. We are grateful for this logical progression that we have been on. Um, as we've been in John 15, where we see the dynamics of what it means to have union with Christ, what, what the importance is of our bearing fruit. But now as we come to this section of all of this applied, we pray that you would work in our hearts that we would, yes, certainly see it but also that we would examine ourselves in light of your word and its teachings. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what I've just made reference to before praying and during the prayer is this logical progression. You know, if you sit back, not just with John 15, but if you take any of Jesus' teachings, he is so masterful in how he teaches, right, where he starts with a premise or with an idea, or with a metaphor, and then he carries you along this logical progression, defining more terms, giving more applications, but ultimately leading to a grand teaching. He's doing that in John chapter 15 too, right? He does that every time he teaches, but he's doing that in John 15 too. He's departing from the metaphor now, Right. And he's saying, all right, I've been talking about the vine and the branches, but this is what it looks like to remain in me. This is what it looks like to have a relationship with me, to have union with me. And we find out the start of this in verse nine, he says, John 15, nine is where we're picking up. Jesus said, 
as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. All right, just pause right there for just a second. Do you get the gravity of what Jesus has said here to his disciples? And by extension, what Jesus says to you and me today. Remember, having a conversation with the disciples in time and space, there are some things that are specific to this. You know, some of the language that we encountered in John 14 about where Jesus said, I'm leaving you in a little while. He was talking about his ascension that had not yet happened. There are applications, sure, but that language was for them at that point in time and space. Here, this language is for them at that point in time and space, but it relays the truth of Jesus' relationship with us. And what Jesus starts with in defining who he is, why he does what he why he did what he did, why he does what he does, why he will do what he will yet do, is love. Y'all, it's the Christmas season. December 1st, you know, my wife changed the thing. She didn't like the little wreaths behind me. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but it's Christmas time. There are so many things that we can focus on, and yet it is the love of God that came at Christmas. It's, It's the love of Christ that is the basis for everything that he does. He flat out says, listen, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Y'all, this is a perfect love. This is a perfect love rooted in eternal, perfect relationship. Don't ever look at what Jesus did as, oh, he just had a job to do. No, no, no. Was it a job? Was it a mission? Of course it was. But it's rooted in love, you see. Now, because of everything that Jesus does being rooted in love, he gives the command to remain in my love. Well, how do we do that? Verse 19, or excuse me, verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Oh, we talked about this yesterday a little bit. I kind of laid the groundwork for this concept that we come to today. You know, of all the commodities in the world, of all the things that people are looking for, what they're really looking for more than anything else is joy. You know, joy is not always happiness, but joy is the deep abiding presence of surety, of fulfillment, of completeness, Yes, happiness is often involved when you have joy, but joy is security. It's sureness. And what does Jesus say the source of your joy must be? Well, the source of your joy must be obeying him. You know, yesterday I talked about the promises of the world, the promise to give you happiness and then Somehow, some way, a lot of the church got hold of this and they changed their teaching and they changed their message into these watered down sermons and into these hellish beliefs that I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay because God wants you to be happy. Y'all, where does it ever say in God's word that he wants you to be happy? 
God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to have joy. But realize that the command is never first to, to, to be happy, to be joyous. The command is always first to obey. Because, y'all, the only way we will have joy in this world is if we take that joy from a source outside of this world. Because the world that we live in has no joy. The world that we live in is a world of shadows. It's a world of the temporary. It's a world of things that are here, and then they are gone. As evidence of this, if your joy is in people, y'all, I've, I've learned people are here, and then they are gone. And it is hard to lose loved ones. And so if your joy is just based on people, you're not going to have joy. Not really. Money possessions. Goodness, y'all. I've used this as a sermon illustration. I remember the first time I ever went to a landfill with my dad, and now landfills are much cleaner and safer and all that kind of stuff. Back in the day, when you went to a landfill, it was basically just a giant hole. It was like you were on the side of a cliff, and you pushed in the the Zenith television that you didn't want anymore. But even, and I was young when I went, but I remember seeing bicycles. I remember seeing things like, man, that's awesome. What are they doing here? And then you look a little closer, you're like, oh, I see. The bicycle's completely rusted out. It's no good anymore. That TV that somebody spent, you know, back then, it's funny. We don't have cable television or anything like that. We have Roku, right? And we have Netflix and stuff. But we started watching The Price is Right. And it's the Bob Barker era on The Price is Right. And Isabella has discovered this thing. And most of the shows are from 1983 or 1984. Y'all, it's remarkable because you see they give away a new car. And usually it's like a, a an Adobe car or whatever, you know, a, a Chevette or something like that. But the price is like $6,712. And you look at that, you're like, a new car for $6,000? And then they have a Zenith television and it's like $2,000, y'all. And it, it's just, it's unbelievable how expensive things were. But going back to the landfill, you look around and there's all these TVs, there's big screen TVs with the screens busted out. And you're like, man, somebody spent a lot of money on this and it's just trash. It's just going to be bulldozed and covered with dirt. If your joy is based on stuff of this world, it's based on nothing that lasts. <laughs> and there's always something new out there to, to to try to find joy in. I mean, we could go down the list of all the different things that people place their joy in that, that are only temporary because they're all of this world. If you're going to have joy, it has to be based on something outside of this world that isn't corruptible. It must be based on Christ. And the way that we have that joy is through obeying him, being like him. Right. Jesus says, remain in my love. And then he says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Well, what is that? Verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. That's it. Now, in case we're tempted to say, oh, that's easy. Well, I love everybody. Jesus then follows this up in verse 13 by saying, greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for my friends, or for his friends, excuse me. Y'all, if you're going to have joy, it will only be through love. 
But that love starts with you. That love starts with how you interact with people. It starts with how you show mercy to other people, how you forgive other people. And Jesus, this is the same principle that we see in the book of Ephesians, where husbands are called to lay down their lives for their church or for, for their wives as Christ laid down his life for the church. Does that mean physically if somebody's shooting at you, you get in front of your wife? It can mean that. But y'all, more often than not, it's not about physical death. It's about dying to yourself every day. It's about putting the wants and needs of others in front of your wants and needs. It's about considering the other person of greater value than yourself. Y'all, this is the only way you will ever have joy. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Now, specifically, he's hinting at what he's about to do, which is literally lay down his life for his friends, for his people. But the reality is, is that every day before this, Jesus laid down his life for him. That's why in Mark chapter 8, when Jesus talked about what discipleship was, he said, you take up your cross and follow me daily. Or you die to yourself every single day. That's what love is. And it's got to be that way because our self, who we are wired to be, is anything but loving. That's the truth, y'all. Again, look at the behavior of very small children. Forget about this. I'm not denying nature versus nurture and all of those arguments. It's very important how you raise your children. But all of us come broken. All of us are born sinful with a sinful nature that we have inherited from our first father, Adam. That's why we need the second Adam, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. The calling for us is to lay down our lives. Jesus says, if you want to remain in me, this is what you'll do. This is what it looks like to follow me. Because, y'all, when you're playing follow the leader, you have to do what the leader does. If you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, and if you claim to follow Christ, then you're going to do the things of Christ. Otherwise, you're not following him. And what Jesus did, the beginning, the middle, the end, all of it is encompassed by love. Because love is not just an emotion. That's why we got to be really careful with this terminology. The world has its own idea of love, and it's tragically skewed. Love is what you do. This is what Jesus calls us to do. And my friends, it's only in this that we ever find joy. Now, the beautiful thing is that when we do this, listen to what Jesus says next. He says, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Verse 13. Verse 14. He makes another shift here. And now he starts talking about this relationship further of remaining in him. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You know, do you get the beautiful dynamic of Jesus' relationship with his disciples and by extension, the relationship that we have with Jesus? Is he the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Yes, absolutely. Is his dominion endless? 
as Kuiper said, is there, he said, there's not one square inch of the universe to which Jesus cannot point to and say, mine. Is that true? Absolutely it is. And yet, even though he is king of kings and lord of lords, he considers his people his friends. Why? Because we don't just exist in God's eyes to be robots. We don't just exist to do the things that he makes us do. We exist to partner with him in his grand redemptive plan. And when we get to John 17, you'll see Jesus say, hey, the world's going to know that I'm genuine by the way that you love each other. Of all the things that God could do to make himself appear genuine, I don't know why he put all of his eggs in the human basket, but he did. I do know why he did that, because it brings glory to himself that God would use people like me to be part of his grand redemptive plan. It's just glorious, y'all. This is what Jesus does. He makes you a part of something so much bigger than yourself, so much so much more important than, than, than your wants. He lets us in on it, and he calls us friends. And then he lays it down in verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Y'all, as Jesus really relays the truth of what our relationship with him is like, he ultimately lays it down here and gives them the full dynamic that they didn't choose him. He went and chose them. This is the concept that we will pick up with tomorrow because it's one that's controversial oftentimes. But y'all, you can't get more crystal clear than what Jesus is saying here. And the implication of it is glorious. Fruit that will last. Of all the things of this world, the idea of something lasting is so far into this world. And yet what Jesus does for us, the source of his love, the application of his love, is our joy, our fullness, our completeness, and our opportunity to serve with him and for him. This is the best stuff ever, y'all. And it makes a lot of sense that Jesus is saying these things here at this point, because very soon hereafter, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be crucified. But then he's going to rise again and ascend into heaven. These words, these commands, this direction for us, that's everything about who we are and who we're supposed to be. Again, because this is so fundamental, take the time to focus on these things. Focus on whether or not you love each other. Focus on what that love looks like. Focus on how you interact. You got a grudge with anybody? You need to deal with it. You got a problem with somebody? Take that time. There's no room for individual self here. There's no room for self-gratification because the whole idea of following Christ is that you're so focused on the mission of God that those things melt away. And isn't that itself a glory? Oh, how much simpler would life be if interpersonal conflict didn't come into it? 
How much more glorious would life be if we were always committed to the cause? We can be, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit, only through Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us for these wonderful promises. Oh, what a blessing it is to know and love you, but even more so to be known and to be loved by you. Work in our hearts, Father, as we consider these things, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see Christine and Becky, and there's Alice. Good morning. And there's Rose and the other Becky and Elizabeth and Wayne. And then there's Terry. Uh, boy, Terry, we have been praying for you um, and, uh, and for Larry and for the whole situation. But nevertheless, thank you all so much for being a part of this time. Well, you won't see me tomorrow morning because tomorrow morning is Friday morning. Lord willing, I'll be back Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And by the way, members, we have a congregational meeting after the worship service Sunday. But um, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. for our service and then Monday morning at 7 a.m. Until then, have a wonderful weekend.